coverage questions. Now, how about that? Full service, local banking with people who live where you live. So whether it's your first home or your second, we'll provide you with nimble, local expertise, competitive rates, and a variety of mortgage options that help turn the imagined into the realized. At Union Bank, we know you want to go far in life. Banking local can get you there faster. Union Bank. Stay local. Go far. Visit us at your local branch or go to ublocal.com. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. All right, we're back. Let's uh, go to the phone. Let's give a nice warm radio from a welcome this morning to Peter Schwartz. Peter is the author of In Defense of Selfishness. And he argues that uh, everyone regards self-sacrifice as a moral virtue, but that, in fact, it is not necessarily so. And, in fact, uh, can be quite detrimental. The uh, subtitle of the book, Why the Code of Self-Sacrifice is Unjust and Destructive. Uh, Peter, thank you for joining us. How are you this morning? Good, Mark. How are you? I'm good. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about your background, some of the work you did before with the uh, Ayn Rand Institute? Yes. Uh, I was uh, chairman of the board of the Ayn Rand Institute, it's pronounced. Uh, it's in, the, they're in Irvine, California. And... We're an educational organization. We try to uh, disseminate uh, Ayn Rand's ideas. We try to distribute her books. We hold conferences. We have uh, essay contests for high school and college students and so forth. Uh, and in addition, I'm, uh, my, my background is basically as a writer. Uh, I've written other things. I've written uh, the um, moral, a, a foreign policy of self-interest and moral ideal for America, and uh, I was the uh, founding editor and publisher of The Intellectual Activist, which was a publication covering the social and uh, political events from a pro-individual rights orientation. Thank you for correcting me on uh, Ayn Rand. Uh, so what, how would you describe her philosophy and how maybe it might connect with what we're about to talk about here? Well, her philosophy is that Man's means of knowledge is his reason, his rational mind. So, rationality is his primary virtue. Uh, he should uh, adopt a code of ethics uh, consisting of rational self-interest, and politically that leads to laissez-faire capitalism. Okay. That's basically her philosophy. She regards yeah. man as a a noble, heroic being who, if left free, can achieve great things uh, as long as he understands that he does not, as long as he, he, he does not accept a, a uh, philosophy that tells him he must sacrifice his ideals and his achievements and his values for the sake of others. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's talk about self-sacrifice. You, you argue that everyone regards it as a moral virtue. Uh, so uh, how did that happen? Well, it happened largely as a result of the influence of, of religion, of Christianity, which is the, in the Western world, very much the uh, original source of self-sacrifice, the idea that your life is not really your own. Uh, you must sacrifice. The religionists say you must sacrifice for God. You have no right to your own existence. You simply must obey. You must do whatever you're told. 
and socially that's been extended to, to the idea that you have a duty to help those in need. If you have something that others lack, no matter how honestly you came by it, no matter how diligently you worked for it, it is not really yours. It morally belongs to those in need. You have a debt, a moral debt that the quote haves owe to the quote have not. So that is how altruism came to be established as the dominant code of ethics in our culture. And, 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 and many, many philosophers and intellectuals, that is the people who set the intellectual tone of a culture, uh, are in virtual agreement that altruism is good and selfishness is bad. In other words, that if you act to benefit yourself, there's something morally tainted about it, whereas if you sacrifice yourself, you harm yourself for the sake of others, that's morally good. Mm -hmm. Is this belief in altruism worldwide, or is it, is it more, yes, yes. In, more in America, or...? or no, it's, it's, it's worldwide. It, didn't always, uh, it wasn't always the case. In, in ancient history, we had a uh, society where the uh, idea of man as a, uh, an entity who is able, who, sh who should do what is best for himself, that was a little bit more um, pronounced in, in, in ancient Greece, for example, at the height of the ancient Greek culture. But Greek, when Greece fell and eventually Christianity took over, the ideas of altruism swept the entire world. Hmm. Where did you first get this? When did you first start thinking about this idea that altruism really wasn't all that it's cracked up to be? Was there something in particular that really kind of triggered this for you? No, that, that's an a, a unusual way to pose it. Uh, um, the, the, what, came, what I realized about the whole idea of ethics, largely uh, after I'd read uh, Ayn Rand, I'd read Atlas Shrugged, and I was very much taken by that. Uh, and the, the, it's not that altruism is not all it's cracked up to be. It's that you have a life. Every person has only one life his own. It's precious. You should try to live it to its fullest. You should try to achieve whatever you can. Be ambitious. Pursue your values. Make the best of your life that you can. That is the idea of selfishness, as against the idea that anything you acquire really belongs to someone else who doesn't have it, as against the idea that you should simply be a serf to the needs of others. So it's the contrast between those two fundamentally different views of man and of ethics that led me to see which one is right and which one is wrong. Huh. Do you really think it's that black and white? Because I'm thinking it's sort of more, I don't know, it seems to me there are more people that, sure, they have a lot of concerns about themselves, but they also help other people with time or money or whatever. Well, I help other people. I give to charity at times, but here's the question to ask yourself. You can certainly, out of you know benevolence and goodwill, and if somebody is an innocent victim of misfortune, you want to help them out, that's fine. If it's, it's not a... You don't destroy yourself by doing it. You can afford it. You know, do so. But that is not altruism. Altruism says you have a, a duty to do so. You have a moral obligation 
to regard others above yourself. You must subordinate yourself to others. Anytime, in any issue you face, the question you should ask yourself is not, well, what is, this, what is good for me to do, but what is good for, supposedly good for someone else so that I can sacrifice and harm myself so that that person might benefit. That is what altruism says. So it's true. You're right. There, there, are, gray, there are gray people there are combi- where, where there's a combination. Sometimes they act for their interests. Sometimes they act to sacrifice. But the two choices, the two basic principles are clearly black and white. Either you have a right to your own existence and to, to live for your own sake, or you don't, and you have to live for the sake of someone else. I, I don't see a middle ground there. Mm-hmm. We're talking with Peter Schwartz. He's the author of In Defense of Selfishness. I, I think you're actually, I'll, I'll, I'll grant you this, because when people give to charity, I think there's an element of it that they do it to make themselves feel better. It's not purely altruistic. I mean, there is sort of an element that you might even call selfish in it. Well, I think that that's a, 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 a tricky thing because they, they may feel better for the wrong reason. In my view, let me, let me take a second just to explain more clearly what I mean by selfishness because people have a very distorted view of it. You know, they, they normally think if you ask somebody what does selfishness mean, they'll think of some amoral predator, somebody like Attila the Hun or some scheming cheat like, uh, like Bernie Madoff. And those people are not examples of selfishness. The, a, a, a selfish person is not, does not live off others. Living as a parasite, which is what these people do, is actually contrary to your long-term self-interest. The truly in- selfish person does not suck the blood of others. He does not become dependent on others. He lives off his own efforts. He lives an honest, principled, uh, productive, self-respecting life. And the way he deals with other people is by exchange. He exchanges value for value to mutual benefit. He doesn't sacrifice himself to others, nor does he sacrifice others to himself. That's what I mean by uh, selfishness. Mm-hmm. So um, the, the, uh, the, the, the justification of selfishness is not that, well, it makes you feel good, because emotions are just a consequence of your ideas. The question is, is the idea correct? Is the idea that you are entitled to live for your own sake correct or not. In that case, if you decide it is, then if you should give occasionally to charity, you find someone genuinely uh, needing help who's in trouble not for any, because of any, uh, on any fault of his own, and you want to help him and you can afford to do so, that's fine, but you don't live your life as a servant to provide for the needs of others, which is what altruism demands of you. Why is there, do you think, such resistance? I mean, you're right. I mean, when you say the word selfishness, there's not, there's, there's rarely a positive connotation attached to it. Yes. That's the real problem. And that, more than anything else, that false view, that kind of straw man view of selfishness, is what makes altruism so popular and so acceptable to people because they think there's no real alternative. They think the alternative, they think the only two possibilities are either you live like a tiller the Hun, and, and be selfish, or you become Mother Teresa and be unselfish. Those are the only two alternatives people see, and it's a false alternative, because the proper 
alternative. The genuine alternative of selfishness is to live without sacrificing yourself to others or others to yourself. And, and it means just working for your own uh, sustenance, pursuing your own values, choosing your own goals, being loyal to your own ideals and not surrendering them. What's the negative, though, if everybody took the approach they wanted to be like Mother Teresa? Where's the harm there? Well, the harm is you're destroying your life. You know, here's your life. Uh, you want to be happy. You want to make something of it. And everything you do, under, according to altruism, every value you acquire, every dollar that you honestly earn... You have to give away. It's not really yours. You have to feel guilty every time there's, there's somebody has something that you lack. And there's always someone somewhere in the world who, ha who lacks what you have. You have to feel guilty for it. Every, every dollar you earn, every morsel of food you put into your mouth, every suit of clothing you have, every pair of shoes you have in the closet, every dollar in your bank account, all of that you'd feel guilty about because by rights, according to altruism, you should be giving it away. So that's why I say altruism is very destructive what, and unjust. Uh -huh. What other forces, you mentioned religion at the beginning are ones yeah. that create this feeling. There, I'm thinking there are probably some others. What, what would you suggest they might be? You mean that create altruism, you mean? Yeah, they create this, this sense that you have to give up all your shoes and everything else. Yes, there, there, there's religion and then there's simply secular versions of the same thing. Today, most people believe in altruism, not explicitly for religious reasons. They just think, well, this is the only way society can exist. This is the only way people can get along with each other, is if we're willing to sacrifice for one another. So they accept that on secular grounds. And again, there have been many philosophers who promoted this idea on secular grounds, but the uh, the the if they stopped and think and thought about it, they'd see, well, there is actually an, an alternative. There is an alternative of rational self-interest, which entails living by moral principles and not, not exploiting others and not sacrificing um, uh, others to yourself. Mm -hmm. Where do politics and the media fit in here? Well, that's a good question, because if you... Uh, uh, these two alternatives of rational self-interest versus self-sacrifice manifest themselves in two very opposite political systems. For socialism, for example, is based on the idea of altruism. Socialism says the individual has no right to his own life. You don't have a right to your own wealth. You don't have a right to your own pursuits. Everything must be done for the collective. The individual just becomes a cog in this collective machine. That's socialism. And we can see how destructive it's been. The alternative is capitalism. And by capitalism, I do not, I do not mean the system that America has today, which is a hybrid mixed economy, half, you know, free and half controlled. I mean a system of real laissez-faire capitalism where the government does not transfer money from some people to others, where the government does not tell you how to live your life. All the government does is say, if you live peacefully and voluntarily, you know, you're free to deal with others as both parties wish. And the government comes in only to protect you against force or fraud, to protect you against criminals 
or to protect you against foreign threats. But in terms of economic voluntary activity, the government has no role. So you completely reject any idea that the tax code ought to be used to redistribute income or something like that? Exactly. I don't think that the I don't think the income belongs to the government to redistribute. The income belongs to anyone who has honestly earned it. It's yours. And you should do with it what you choose, not have it taken away from you by force. Okay, but what about what about people who see this enormous and they, some say historic income inequality in this country? I mean, really, un, I mean, unchecked capitalism is that all right too? Well, I mean, ask yourself this: What does income inequality mean? If a uh, Steve Jobs or um, uh, Bill Gates earns more money than I do. Now, there's a tremendous income inequality there. Is that something bad or something good? That is well, something good to me. Yeah. I'm happy right. yep. that he earns it. Yep. So okay. there's no inequality as such is not an issue. Inequality is something good because people should get the income that they deserve according to how productive they are. And some people are more productive. Other people are less. So you're comfortable. We have a, our Senator Bernie Sanders, who I'm sure you're familiar with, yes. notes things such as, uh, you know, one family, the Walmart family owns as much as, and I can't remember the number, but it's, you know, hundreds of millions of people. Yes, but, but this is, this is a, 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 an outrageous statement on his part. It, it, it's, it's the height of injustice because, put it differently, here's, put it this way, here's a family that has produced so much wealth, it has made possible so much production, it has created these stores, it has allowed people to buy goods cheaply. They've earned every dollar that they've gotten on the assumption that it's been honestly earned. They've earned it. That's great. It doesn't, the fact that someone is rich does not happen because they, they've made someone else poor. In a free economy, there's no static amount of wealth to go around. Wealth keeps increasing. And look at how wealthy this country is compared to what it was 200 years ago when it just started over 200 years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, the idea that, that the fact that you've earned something and created wealth, that should entitle you to keep it. And the fact that some other people have less is not a, it's not a moral problem. It's not an economic problem. It is the, the people who have less gain. They, they benefit by the fact that there are such rich people like the Waltons and so forth to make possible productive enterprises and new products and new opportunities for employment. If we leveled everybody, we could do that and we'd make everybody poor. May I go to Lester? James, you're on the air with Peter Schwartz, the author of, of uh, In Defense of Selfishness. Yeah, uh, it's interesting. Uh, uh, Mr. Schwartz uh, thinks that the Walmart People have made all their money without taking money from other people. I, I really don't think that's. I really don't think that's true. I think the Walmart uh, business model is an example of a transfer of wealth. Uh, uh, but I'm curious to know whether Mr. Schwartz has ever re read Carl Polanyi. No. I recommend it to the Great Transformation. Carl Polanyi talks about the beginnings of the Industrial Revolution and how the idea uh, uh, that uh, the economy was an adjunct of society uh, it was turned on its ear, whereby uh, economy became an adjunct, uh, or sorry, society became an adjunct of, of, the, uh, of the economy. 
he uh, he points out that uh, capitalism uh, and free markets are, are a great idea unless uh, let uh, run free. And I think what you are saying, you you seem to have it both ways. You want to have it both ways. You cite Bernie Madoff as somebody who is not operating in self-interest. I beg to differ. Uh, Mr. Madoff is uh, is an Ayn Rand uh, uh, devotee run amok. And so the, the way that society the way that society the way that society must behave uh, in, in this country anyway is a combination uh, of, of capitalism which is a, which is a good thing as long as it is regulated All right, I'm gonna interrupt it must you. be regulated thank you. thank you for your call okay let me can I just answer yeah 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 go ahead all right. First of all, it's it's ridiculous to say Bernie Madoff is an advocate of Ayn Rand's philosophy. Her philosophy is no force. Her philosophy is laissez-faire. No one is entitled to use force against someone else. No individual is allowed to use it. No government is allowed to use it, to initiate it. And Bernie Madoff was a crook. He used force all the time. He used fraud all the time. And he's in jail. And you can, you can, that is the ultimate answer to the view that, well, he's really acting in his rational self-interest. No criminal, no short-term uh, so, uh, supposed benefits that come from criminal activity, from using force or fraud, are actually in a person's self-interest. So that's one. The second thing is the Industrial Revolution, if you look at what, what happened before, half 300 years ago or so, the people lived in, in, in abject poverty. Uh, the lifespan, the average lifespan was something like 30 years in, in, in uh, Europe. Today, it's, it's much more than double that. And what made that possible? What made possible the increase in the number of people that the, the, that, that the uh, uh, Earth can sustain? It, what made it possible is the increased production of wealth. It was the Industrial Revolution and the system, more fundamentally, of capitalism where people were free to... They were allowed to produce. Their energies were unleashed. There wasn't a gun put at their head, which is what regulation amounts to, telling them, you can't go ahead, you can't produce, you can't be successful, you can't get rich. They were allowed to get rich, and everybody has a consequence benefit. Uh, Jim, good morning. You're next. Hi. Thanks for taking the call. Got to be quick. Um, good morning. My question uh, for Mr. Schwartz, has to do with uh, sacrifice uh, relative, let's say, to being a parent. That is, uh, as a parent, uh, one may choose to not take a certain job or to not move someplace yes. where I get there are better opportunities I, because uh, they are looking at what's best for their child. And there are right. many other examples. Okay, I think you got so it. Thank you. Peter, can you go ahead? Yes, that's a good question. Uh, the, 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 it is, that is not, in fact, a sacrifice because you've chosen to have a child and it's your child and you have a responsibility to that child. Just as when you undertake a debt, you're responsible to pay it back. You've gotten a child, you're responsible for the child until he grows up. Here's what would be a sacrifice. If you let your child go hungry and homeless in order to feed some hu uh, hungry children in Bangladesh, that would be a sacrifice. But it's your child, 
a selfish value of yours, and it's in your self-interest to do whatever is necessary to keep that child healthy. Mm. Biggest obstacle to getting people to buy your argument, Peter, do you think is what? The biggest obstacle is this distorted view of, of selfishness, the straw man idea that Bernie Madoff and Attila the Hun and all these crooks, these short-term, uh, uh, you know, mindless activities, that the idea that these are actually representative of selfishness, and they're not. My view is rational selfishness, which is living by reason, not force, living by production, not looting, living by pursuing your own goals, and not sacrificing other people in order to achieve them. Thank you for your time this morning. I appreciate it. Okay, thank you. Peter Schwartz is the author of In Defense of Selfishness. Uh, I'd be curious to know what your reaction is to his, uh, his thoughts. 244-1777 is our local number. Toll free, you can reach us at 877-291-8255. Coming up on the program tomorrow, we're going to talk with the author of The Food Activist. Friday on the program, we talk with the outgoing head of the Vermont League of Cities and Towns, Steve Jeffrey. Uh, and then there's somebody else tomorrow that I have to uh, remember. Sorry. Getting to that point, you know, just sometimes can't remember. All right. Uh, moment of your time. I will never forget to tell you to head up and see our friend Mike Russell at the tailor shop in Stowe's Lower Village. And here's really good news for you because he's going to be opening his doors in uh, just a couple of minutes here. He opens the doors at 10 a.m. on Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. And just double-checking the computer. Yes, it is Wednesday today. So, in fact, he will be open in uh, just a few here. I'll bet he's even there right now because he's that kind of guy who's an on-timer who probably is uh, there actually a little bit before he opens his doors. Uh, you would go to Mike Roussel if you needed to get men's or women's clothing adjusted, tailored inward or outward. Or if for some reason you uh, have suffered a casualty on your clothing, maybe you got yourself you know, caught on a fence or something silly, or maybe Fluffy or Fido decided that they were going to get irritated at you because you left them in the house alone. So, you know, sometimes they wander into the closet there and find just that perfect item to chew on and leave a nice little hole to remind you that... They don't appreciate that uh, they got left alone. So you can stop it up and see Mike. He's at the tailor shop. Where is it? It is on the right-hand side of Route 100. If you're coming from the Waterbury area, if you're coming down from uh, Stowe or Morrisville, it'll be on the left. Look for the Shell Station, and he's right next door to the Shell Station. Driveway right there, easy for you to find. And a reminder that Mike is open on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday each and every day. He, uh, that he's open, he will put uh, more than 50 years of experience into each and every job. you got to love that. You want people who are experienced working on your clothing because sometimes it's pretty expensive stuff they're working on. So head on up to see Microsoft at the Taylor Shop in Stozler Village. We always appreciate with all of our sponsors when you say howdy from us here at WDEV. That's going to wrap things up for hour number one. Keep your dial right here. This is FM 96.1 WDEV Warren broadcasting from the top of Sugarbush and the flagship AM 550 WDEV Waterbury Montpelier News is next.